Are you ready for God's word? Now, if you're new here, you might say, wow, they get excited about God's word. How many of us know that God's word in flesh is Jesus? In written form, it's Jesus. Because in written form, it tells us who he was in the flesh and who he will forever be. Because our God is eternal. And so what I want you to know, if you're, if you're new here, first of all, thank you for sharing your, your, your Resurrection Sunday with us. We know how beautiful Resurrection Sunday is. I know how, how expensive it is. What I mean by that is that time is valuable super valuable. It's a time of family. It's a time of fellowship. It's a time of rejoicing and giving God honor. And if, if you chose to spend it with us, we are grateful. So thank you and welcome. If you're here for the first time, if you're here because you're back uh, visiting with us, welcome. Thank you for coming. I pray that today is blessed. Having said that, I also want you to know that we're going to get into God's word. You know, if, if you're thinking, well, you know, Resurrection Sunday, typically fairly easy, couple points, you know, several illustrations, some are really funny, and uh, we get out of here, no big deal, um, you come to the wrong church. Because I'm all about God's Word, and I want God's Word to come alive in your heart, because what I have to say is not that important. What He said in His Word is of absolute importance, and His Word changes your life, changes life. So I don't tend to water it down or get cute with it. I mean, we get into it. And today we're covering King Jesus, which is our, our series. In that series, we've gone through humble king, human king, divine king, savior king. And today we are on king of kings. This is a huge topic. And so I'm trying to take 30 hours worth of study and put it into 30 minutes. Not gonna happen. No, I'm just kidding. No, it, it will happen, but I'm gonna need your encouragement. I'm gonna need you to, to listen hard and fast and to say amen every once in a while so that I know you got it and we can keep moving, amen? There you go, you got it already. But I want you to know that when you think of the king of kings, you can't help but think of a kingdom. And God is a king that is above every king, and he has a kingdom. As we go, you will unfold that idea of a kingdom. But I also want to unfold for you that when you hear king of kings, you can't help but think of lord of... Don't they go together? The lord of lords and the king of kings. Do you know God is known by many names, and we'll talk about him in a second. We won't put him up there just yet, but we'll get there. He's known by many names, but he is the name above all names. He is the name above all names. And one of the names that shows he is above all is his name, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And it shows that this mighty king is coming back. And so we need to be ready. Because that's the whole point. He created this world for a very specific purpose that he might have relationship with us and he's coming back for us. What you need to be ready for is his return. And understand this, 
that it is possible to get distracted and to be deceived. How do we know this? Because Jesus said it. When they asked him, tell, the disciples asked him, tell us about your return. He said, be careful you're not distracted. Be careful you're not deceived. Do you realize when he came the first time, many were distracted and many were deceived? Even those that were studying the scriptures the most, they were the religious leaders. They, they didn't recognize him. He's standing before them saying, I am the king of all glory, the one you've been waiting for, and you're trying to crucify me. Because they couldn't understand why they were so distracted. Come on, is it easy to get distracted in our world today? It is super easy to get distracted, but I want you to know the king of kings is returning soon. This is where we find two of the passages that highlight this phrase, this name above all names, this King of kings, Lord of lords. And you find it first in Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. Now I go to Revelation because Revelation is all about the return of the king. To establish his kingdom on earth, even as it is in heaven. And you find here, these will make war with the lamb. Who are these? The forces of darkness will make war with the lamb. And the lamb will overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen, faithful. You go a couple of chapters over and you see this phrase used again. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, king of kings and now, this passage is a mighty passage. I'd encourage you to all read it this week. Read the entire chapter. It's about Jesus' second coming, and he's riding a great white horse. He's wearing a robe of solid white, indicating his holiness and righteousness. That robe is dipped in blood, and on his thighs are tattooed the name that is above every name, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. From his mouth comes forth the sword of the spirit, which is the sword of truth. And by his word and this sword, he defeats his enemies. There's not going to be a fight. Some people think it's going to be a fight. There's no fight when the king of glory meets the enemy. Remember, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning the day he rebelled. There was no fight. He rebelled and he was thrown out of heaven. He was thrown at such a rate, it knocked the earth off its... When he hit earth so hard, I truly believe that. Think about this. You have this amazing king that's going to roll the clouds back. The sky will split open and he, with the host of heaven, with the armies of angels coming from heaven. His name is Jehovah Sabaoth. He goes, Sabaoth, what, is the, what does that mean? Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never fails. I wish I could sing. 
I would tear it up right now. I would just start singing that great hymn from Martin Luther that talks about the greatness of our God. Lord Sabaoth is, is his name. It means he brings with him all of the armies of heaven, which are angels, ready and waiting to bring an end to this great conflict. It's actually not that great. He's going to end it that quick. What I'm trying to tell you is this. This king of kings rules over a kingdom. He's coming back, and he has the name above all name. Think about this idea and concept of a name. Think about it with me for a second. What is a name? What is in a name? Before you hurry off and say, well, the name is what you call someone. Don't think about it. We use the word name to refer to a lot of things. In the name of the law. Right? His name is well respected in the community. Their name is trash. What is your nickname? What is the name of the book? We talk about this idea of a name, but the more you ponder it, the more you realize that we use the word name to refer to different things like name your price. What's your price? Name your price. So I looked up this idea of the word name, and I, and I said, I need to go to the dictionary and see what does the dictionary have to say? And so I compiled the definition from multiple sources, and this is the definition that I came up with. It identifies, distinguishes, or designates a unique entity from another entity. It's the way you identify, distinguish, or designate one thing or person and its uniqueness from another thing or person. Is that right? That's a name. But think about this with me for a second longer. All right, so you have this, but haven't you ever seen two entities share the same name? You do. How? Well, in first service, there's a man that we all love by the name of Michael Jackson. Is he the same entity as the Michael Jackson that sang songs? No, the other day I saw a little boy with the name of Michael Jordan. Is he the same entity as the one that won six championships with the Chicago Bulls? No. The other day someone said, I went to Paris. And I said, awesome. Did you see the Leaning Tower? Did you see the great Eiffel Tower? Did, oh no, it was Paris. Do you know that there are 23 entities or cities with the name Paris in the U.S. But that doesn't mean it's the Paris. So many are called by the name of God, supposedly. In fact, in Hindu, in Hinduism, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of so-called gods. But our God has a specific name. Because a name is the way you identify, distinguish, or designate certain things 
that give this entity or person clarity. It gives you clarity on who you're talking about. See, when I say, when I say, uh, Melissa, I'm not just talking to just any old person. I'm talking to the Melissa that's my wife. I'm talking to Melissa who has a personality and has characteristics that make up her character. See, when you call Jesus by his name, you're not just talking to any old God. You're referring to someone specific that is a person you can have a relationship with. That's what's so powerful about this idea of the name of God. But I want to go deeper still. See, because a name is is identifying characteristics that are based on a character. Now, the character is based on the word, at least for God. Even in our culture, in our society, we understand this, right? If your name is respected, it's because you're a man or a woman of your, my word is my bond. If I shake your hand and I give you my word, then what? It means something. What if your word means nothing? What does that mean for your name? lowers it. This is found in God's word too. Because his word says that his word is above his name. Because it's his word that gives his name prominence. Meaning that grounds it in his character. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the great king of glory. I'm talking about God, the one the Bible describes that says he is true to his word. If he said it, he'll perform it. You can take him at his word. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you pray, you can pray with confidence. You can put your faith in him. Why? Because if he said it, he'll do it. He doesn't change. He's not wishy-washy. He doesn't waffle back and forth. And he's not political. Telling you what you want to hear one day and then changing it the next. He is awesome in power and is... And his name represents his awesome character. And you can call him by name because he wants a relationship with you. This is different from these other so-called gods. He is the only God. So when we talk about his name, I want you to think about his Old Testament names. This is a short list. El Shaddai, El Elyon, El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty, the Most High, Adonai, Lord Master, Yahweh, the Lord Jehovah, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner, Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals me. You drop down to the end and we can go to Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides for me. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord that gives me peace. Didn't Jesus say, I came to bring peace and my peace I leave with you. My peace is not the world's peace. The world doesn't understand this kind of peace. Why? Because he gives from above. 
Notice, he says, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of heaven's armies. Oh, that's the one I'm feeling this morning. Amen. Amen. And so why is he these different things? Because he is all you need when you need it. And you can call him by name, and he is personal and close, and you can count on his character and his word. The names of Jesus look like this. I put them in a collage. Because to me, Jesus is beautiful. I want you to see his beauty, Lamb of God, Mighty One of Jacob, Messiah, Holy One, Son of God, Son of Man, Lord Teacher, Master, Word, Bridegroom, Gift of God, Bright and Morning Star, First and the Last, Alpha and Omega, Lord Almighty, Rock of Ages, but the one I still love the most. The one who has seen me through the darkest of times is just simply Jesus. The one which is said, and darkness flees, demons tremble, and mountains move. Because Jesus, 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 Jesus is mighty in power but caring and gentle in touch. Something beautiful about him. And so a name identifies, you know, I've seen parents go to great lengths and, and a lot of painstaking conversations and study to pick the right name for their child. Why? How many of us just threw a NEO name out there on the birth certificate? Please don't raise your hand. <laughs> but most of us thought about the name. We grounded it in good reason. Maybe a grandfather, someone else in our family tree that we respected and loved. Maybe the way we, it's meaning, different things. And so the other day, there was a couple come to us and they said, Pastor Chris and Melissa, we want you to know, uh, we, we picked out some names and we want your opinion. And I'm like, oh no. So I listened and oh man, I was melted by just how, how, how much care they took in giving those names. And so we took a lot of care in naming our children. I took a lot of care in naming my daughters. And I named Raquel, Raquel, Andrea, Peña. Raquel, Andrea, Peña. And we know its meaning. And we named Evelyn, Evelyn, Layla, Peña. And over the years, Evelyn was not very popular. Evelyn, Layla was a fairly unique name. She goes, Dad, nobody has my name. Why did you give me that name? And I said, because you're unique, sweetheart. You are, you're unique. And over the years, people have begun to use her name. Even in this congregation, we've had several people pick that name or a version of that name. And she goes, well, they picked my name, Raquel. <laughs> Who's counting, but I'm winning. <laughs> you know, we have this idea that, that a name a name is listed on top of a leaderboard. A name is listed at the end of the, what, Final Four tournament that starts off with 60, what, four names? Ends with one. When we do the Olympics, there might be hundreds of skiers, even thousands, but they narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down, even through the trials to see who gets to the Olympics. And one emerges at the very end, 
one track runner, one, can I tell you, there is one in all the universe that is above all, and his name is Jesus. And so when we go back to this idea of naming our children, you say, you talked about your daughters, but what about your son? I named my son very specifically, and we prayed about it very long and hard, and I said, Lord, I want a name that honors you. And so we chose Joshua Elijah Pena. Now, Joshua means the Lord God is salvation. Jehovah saves. The Lord God is salvation. Jehovah saves. Elijah means whose God is the Lord. Means my God is the Lord. So my God is Jehovah who saves. For my God is the great God who brings salvation. That's what I wanted him to know. And so I taught it to him when he was this big. I'm carrying him into Whole Foods now. He knows it well, and he's about two years old. He can just started talking, and he's chatting up a storm with anybody. And the guy checking us out, you could tell he's having a hard life. He's young. He's super young, but he's, he's got all kinds of markings, and he's got piercings and stuff. And that doesn't mean you're having a hard life, but he was wearing it on his face. You can tell when someone is just having a hard time. And my son must have picked up on it at two years old. And so he says this to him. He says, do you know what my name means? And the guy goes, no. He says, I don't even know your name. He goes, my name is Joshua Elijah. He said, good. It means the Lord God is salvation. Jehovah saves. He says, wow. But first he kind of went like, and he looks at me, and then he looks at my kid, and I look at him, and I look at honey, and I go, God loves you. <laughs> like, that's what that means. God loves you. He goes, yeah, okay. And we went on, and, and I just want you to know that, that that was important to us. So later on in life, um, he gets a little bit older, and he starts playing ball, and he's being too nice. And so I said, man, you can't play ball and be nice. You got to be mean. You got to tear the other kids apart. You know, that's the kind of parent you want on the other side of it, right? And, and you're like, yeah, come on. And so I said, this is what we're going to do. We're, we're going to add to this name. From now on, you're not just Joshua Elijah. You are Honey Badger. And I showed him a video of the Honey Badger. And I said, the Honey Badger is mean. He's tough. He might be little. He might be skinny. But he tears the animal kingdom apart. Yeah. But he got all excited. He ran out there. And he was like trying to get the ball. And he's so skinny. He was getting thrown around and stuff. And I'm going, there you go, Honey Badger. But sooner or later, the Honey Badger got long. I shorten everything. How many of you shorten everything? So what is my son's nickname today? Anyone? Honey. Because somewhere along the line, we dropped Badger and we just started yelling, come on, honey. Let's go, honey. And he's running down the court and he just stops. He goes, dad. Honey, Badger dad. Badger. That's the important part here. And now he doesn't care. He loves the nickname Honey. But I have oftentimes mourned in my heart. Because I said, Lord, you gave me Joshua Elijah, whose God is the Lord. Jehovah saves. The Lord God is salvation. Did I do wrong by inadvertently giving him a name? 
And over these past weeks of prayer, God gave me Honey in the Rock. And so it's one of the most popular songs, Honey in the Rock. And I realized, watch, that he's talking about his people. And he says, Israel, my people, I want them to walk in my ways. You know, I named him Joshua because in the first chapter of Joshua, it says, I want you to never leave my path, Joshua. Don't lean to the right or to the left, but be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I'm going, okay, Lord, are you speaking to me here? And he says, and I will give honey from the rock because I'm the only one that can truly satisfy. And God was saying, no, 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 no. Honey is the goodness from Jesus, my rock. I want you to know that Jesus can be your foundation. Your foundation, which he gave us as a name for this church. And then he said, I'm not done, pastor. I said, okay, Lord. He said, your name, Pena, means rock. So honey from the rock is my goodness because children are a blessing from the Lord. And even, so I want you to know in everything that God wants to do by his name and his goodness is give you the sweetness of blessing if you only trust him in it. If you only call out to his name and say, Lord, I believe in your name. I live by your name. I walk by your name. By your name, use me, Lord, so that not only my children, but the work of my hands and everything I work, everywhere I go, everywhere I walk, everything I touch might be blessed by your sweetness. You say, wow, pastor, you didn't preach a whole message. And that was just the introduction. <laughs> because I haven't gotten to my two points, although they're very, very quick. They are. They're very, very quick. See, I said that a name is about identity. Identity is to recognize someone and say or prove who that person is. To recognize them. To recognize them. So, when you talk about someone, you're talking about their characteristics. You're talking about who they are that gives that name its significance because that name identifies them. And so identity includes those two things that were in part of the definition. To distinguish and to designate. And so these are the two points I want us to get. To distinguish something means to notice or understand the difference between two things. Well, that's a fancy way of saying it has attributes. Attributes. So this is where we could get lost because it's a little technical for an Easter service, but I think you can handle it because this is what God gave me to preach to you. Watch. Identity includes distinguishing factors and designated things. When you distinguish something, you identify its attributes. God gave us two names for his son that seem to be opposing one another. 
they seem to be mutually exclusive. Like how can both be at the same time? They're actually Jesus' greatest names. They're the names above all. One of them is the one that he referred to himself. It was his favorite title for himself. And the other is the one that describes him the best. The one that he tended to take upon himself the most was what? Son of man. He loved that title, the son of man. We're going to talk about the attributes of the son of man. Because remember, to distinguish someone with a name means you got to think about their attributes. So son of man, which is the other name that would seem to be in opposition to the son of man? Son of God. So you have the son of man and the son of God. How can they both be working together in one person? They're opposite of each other. And yet that's the beauty of the incarnation. Watch. The attributes of being human is that he had human characteristics without sin. He knew what it was like to be tempted. You know what it's like to be tempted. He knew what it's like to be thirsty. You know what it's like to be thirsty. He knew what it's like to be hungry or tired. You know what it's like to be hungry or tired. All the things you know, he knew. Why? Because to be the son of means you have the same attributes as that which you are the son of. Man, if you're the son of God, then what kind of attributes do you have? Omniscience, you know all things. Omnipotence, you're all-powerful. Omnipresent, you can be all places. But yet, those blend in one individual. Do you see what's happening? He also had, listen, omnibenevolence, all-loving, and he was immutable. All the characteristics of God are working together in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, you might ask yourself, how can this be? How can everything in these two characteristics of attributes work together even though they seem so opposed? It's what makes Jesus so beautiful. One minute he could be extremely exhausted swimming, I mean not swimming, um, um, sleeping in the boat that's carrying him across the sea. In the next story we see him out of the boat not needing a boat at all, and walking on the water. You see him thirsty, asking a woman for a drink in one chapter, and yet in another place, you see him turning water into wine. You see him dying on the cross and conquering death three days later. Why? Because he is two natures. Two distinct set of attributes working in one. But how does that happen? It happened at the virgin birth. I wish I had time to tell you all about the virgin birth and how beautiful it was. But it was woman. Mary represented the man side, son of man. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible said, conceived Jesus in her womb. This was the son of God part. Both of them working together. Now, this is important because this is why the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word 
was God. And the word became flesh. This is son of God and son of man working together in Jesus. Now, this is where we go. This is where we go to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his what? Only begotten. What does it mean to be the only begotten? It's talking about the son of God becoming the son of man in both characteristics and natures in one person. And he is the only one that came from God in this fashion. So when someone tells you that you can be just like Jesus, no, no, he is the only begotten. He's going to have other brothers and sisters, but they're not going to be just like him. Why? Because he is the only one that is eternal. He is the only one that shares all of God's attributes. He is the only one that can truly do something about your prayers, about your needs, about your heartaches. So stay with me on this because this is where we get to the last point. First point was what? Distinguish, distinguish the two natures and the attributes that came together for what? To designate. What is designate? Designate is to identify the particular role or purpose. Why did these two natures work together in one awesome, awesome, awesome person that walked the face of the earth in Jesus Christ? What did he come to do? He came to save us. But save us from what? Okay, this is what happened. Real quick. God has a kingdom. Lucifer rebels against God's kingdom. He takes a third of the angels. This is where Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. There was no fight. God kicked him out. After this, God decides to create man. Now, this is interesting. Why did God choose to create man? One word. Love. God is madly in love with you. God wanted a loving relationship with you. But pastor, did he know we would fall? Absolutely, he knew you would fall. He's one in thought and action. When he created man, he already knew you would fall. He already knew you would be here. And he already loved you. That's why the Bible says he commanded his love towards you before the beginning of time. Before you were created, he commanded his love towards you. But watch, in order for love to exist, there must be a choice. You cannot force love. I've said it before. I couldn't go to Melissa, grab her by the neck and say, you're going to love me. Ladies, would that work? No. I had to give her a choice to love me. That's when you say, will you marry me? Will you be my girlfriend? Will you love me? Right? God said, will you love me? The choice was, you can eat from every fruit except one. Satan comes in, and he's a deceiver. He tricked us. He tricked Adam. You go, why do you keep saying us? Because Adam represents us. Oh, I'm better than Adam. We don't have time for that. You're not better than Adam. Adam was a perfect man who hadn't even experienced sin. And he fell. But, but God knew that. God knew that, his, that the answer 
to our failure would be his love. And it was his love that motivated the relationship. It was his love that would cure the relationship, that would redeem the relationship. And that's why the Bible says, for the glory and honor of his great grace, that he might be glorified. But we don't have time to, let's keep going. Watch, 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 watch. So we fall, and when we fall, we give Satan control of our life. We now come under the curse of death. Before this, when, he was, when Adam was in perfect relationship with God, he didn't experience death. He didn't experience pain. He didn't experience any of the tragedy of sin. When we sinned, Satan stepped in, and he took control not only of our world, but of our life. You say, oh, show me that in Scripture. Okay, I'll show you that in Scripture. Go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. And don't you know that the whole world is under the control of the... Let's keep going. Hebrews 2.14. That through death, he might destroy... Well, let's back up. Let's read the whole thing, Pastor. Okay. Inasmuch then... As the children have partaken of flesh, meaning we are flesh and blood, he himself, son of God, became the son of man, flesh and blood. Why? Why did he do this? For his love for us. Watch. That he himself likewise shared in the same nature as us, that through his death, he might destroy him. Who is the him? Who had the power of death, that is the devil. Because when we sinned, Satan took control over our life, and now death ruled and reigned over us. Every human has to face this death cloud that follows us all our life. And Jesus became the, was the son of God, became the son of man, that he might set us free from the law of sin and death. Why did Jesus come? That he might set us free from the law of sin and death. Do you see how beautiful God is? God said, I have to become one of them so that I can undo what Adam did. That's why the Bible says through one man, Adam, sin entered in. But through the second Adam, Jesus, the, the God-man, sin and death were defeated. You might say, oh, pastor, are you serious? No, we're talking about claim. We're talking about authority and power. How do I know we're talking about claim? If you read in the Bible, in the book of Revelation... Jesus takes the claim to this world back. The angel begins to cry out, who is worthy to open the scroll? The claim deed, who is worthy to take back what was given to Adam that he gave to Satan? Jesus, only one. Only one, and his name is Jesus because he is the name above all names. And... He comes as the Son of God and the Son of Man with distinct attributes working together to fulfill a purpose. And that purpose is to give you life, 
to give you life, to give you life. And because his name means something, you can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And be saved and say, Lord, I trust in you. I put my trust in you. I trust you for my healing. I trust you for my job. I trust you for my children. I trust you for my provision. I trust you for my protection. But most of all, Lord, most of all, Jesus. You wanna know what Jesus means? It's a form of the name Joshua. The Lord God is salvation. Lord Jesus, I trust you for my salvation. So this is where we finish. Claim and authority. He came back to claim the power and authority back so that we might know what it is to live life to the fullest. Notice, he said the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. How does he steal, kill, and destroy? He lies. And so many Christians think, okay, I accept Jesus, then I go to heaven. Yes, but what if there's more? No, there is more. Look at me, there is more. You're not just going to heaven. God is bringing heaven to you. What did Jesus say we should pray? Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done, right? On earth as it is in heaven. And so God says, I am the gateway to life. But I'm not just the gateway to life, I am the actual path to life. Many Christians get through the gate and they go, woohoo, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. And they just sit down. And that's where the enemy comes in and starts to steal, kill, and destroy. Destroy what? What God came to give you. Jesus said, I've come to give you what? Abundant life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life in the fullest way possible. And so this is what I want you to know. I want you to know that if you're not living life in the fullest way, if you don't believe Jesus for more, if you don't live under the power of his name and go forth in the power of his name and go forth in the power of his spirit, because watch, this is what happens when you become saved. When you become saved, you go from death to life. And the only way that happens is in the name of Jesus as you proclaim trust and faith. You deny yourself. That means you give up your sin. Say, Lord, cleanse me. Now let me walk by the power of your Holy Spirit. You go, but, 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 but I am, watch, I am human. How can a human get into a heavenly supernatural place? By the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. God became man so that man could now be filled with God. Not become God. Be filled with God and have communion with him in love. And this is meant to start the minute you become a Christian. Not just when you get to heaven. Now, you say, but pastor, I'm not living like that. That's because you've allowed the enemy to lie to you. And somehow he's convinced you that it's not finished. And yet Jesus Christ said it is. You've allowed the enemy to convince you that somehow, yes, you're going to be saved, but he's still in control. He has no claim to you. He has no claim to you. You have been reborn. 
So I'll finish like this. We were in a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. And at the very end of the trip, we always get together and kind of do a debrief. And the missionary said, would you like to uh, come to the end of the little place where we're staying right along the, the beach? And there's a little walkway that's public. But this part, this little table was not public. This is where we were at. And he says, would you like to uh, smoke a cigar? And don't judge us. That's what Dominicans do. And that's what we were doing. We were smoking a cigar. Some people, oh, my God. How many of you know it's not, it, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Jesus came for freedom's sake, amen? Amen. So watch. We're smoking the cigars there, and we're recounting the beautiful week we had in the Lord. And as we were recounting the beautiful week we had in the Lord, a young man comes walking by the, the walkway, and he goes, psh. You know that psh, that always means no good. And he says, hey, y'all want something a little stronger than cigars? And we said, no, we're Christians. And he said, no puede ser. That means it cannot be. Christians don't smoke, drink or chew, or hang around the girls that do. <laughs> that's just the truth, right? <laughs> and then I said, that's because you don't know that Christ came to give us life and freedom. You think that Christ is about rules Christ is about a relationship through the power of the Holy Spirit so that you're not trying to fake it till you make it. God gives you new life and you live holy from the inside out, not from the outside in. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, you think you get to heaven by all the things you shouldn't do. You get to heaven by knowing God and living by the beautiful, awesome power of his Holy Spirit. And then he leads you to love and to care and to walk in holiness. And it's not about a cigar that I won't finish. It's about the conversation I'm having with my brothers about what the Holy Spirit did with us and what we still want to do in his name. And he just started weeping. I want to know more about that because everyone tells me, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you're telling me that I get to live this awesome, amazing life. And I said, by the power of Jesus Christ, who was God, become flesh with a purpose to set you free. And when you're free, he's going to lead you. Boy, he fell on his knees. He said, I want this God. He went like this. The, the sea is crashing in. He threw away whatever he was trying to sell us. He says, I want this God. And so we fell on our knees too and we prayed for this, for, this, for this young man to become part of the family. He becomes part of the family and he stands up and he says, look, we couldn't see because he was dark and it was super dark. And he had a tattoo that said um, the year he was born. He said, look, the year I was born. But today I feel, I feel reborn. He was born human. God was giving him a supernatural life as a son of God. So the next year we go back, very same week, same time. He's been waiting for us. He goes there every evening after work and looks and looks, see which missionaries are coming back. 
And he sees my brother and he comes up to him and he goes, look, I want to show you my tattoo. You shared the Lord with me and I've not been the same. Jesus came into my life and he changed everything. He has a mighty name. He is a mighty savior. And he just starts giving testimony. And my brother's like, I've never been to this country. And I don't know why he confused us because I'm way better looking. My brother would not agree, but anyway. And he goes, you must be talking about my brother Chris, who's a pastor. Let me go get him. He doesn't wait for him to come get me. He comes running in the little place where we stay, and he grabs hold of me, and he says, look, the year I was born. But above that, I tattooed the year I was reborn. The day I was... If you haven't been reborn, call upon the name of Jesus. The Bible says it clear. There is no other name given by which we may be saved. That name represents his person. The Son of God come in the flesh to bring salvation. You might be here today and you might say, Pastor, I, I don't need salvation. I need healing. Call on his name. I need provision. I need protection. We need a fresh start for our marriage. Call on his name. But if you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, What you do is you say, Lord, in your name, I trust. Your name represents everything, your word, your character, your truth. So I trust you that you are the son of God and that you have given me life. And so today I receive that life by faith. I repent, meaning I'm done living for me by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let me live. And you shall be saved. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're making that decision today, if you're gonna live under the authority of Almighty God, I just want you to raise your hand right there, right now. I see hands going up all over. Come on, church, help me encourage them. Help me encourage them. Let's give them a hand clap and just love on them. Thank you for making that decision. Amen, amen, amen. As you make that decision, you shall be saved. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. We celebrate resurrection by taking of communion. Your body that was broken and your blood that was shed and your children with one voice say thank you. Be honored and glorified. Lord, come quickly in Jesus' name. Church, I love you. Have a great week.